everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, here to talk today about an upcoming IDW title. It's called Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees, and I have the writer and artist, Patrick Horvath, joining me to tell us all about it. Uh, Patrick, thanks for joining me. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, this book comes out October 18th, just in time for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so interesting. I got a chance to check out the first issue uh, serial killers, but the, the overall vibe of the book is so different from what you might expect in kind of a, a horror title or a book about a serial killer. Um, so why don't you let our listeners know what the book is about? What's the the elevator pitch for the title? Sure. Um, so it's essentially set in the world that one might find in like children's books, um, not unlike the busy town of Richard Scarry. Um, populated by these very adorable animal people. Uh, and then our main character within this world is Sam, uh, Samantha Strong. She's the she's a brown bear, uh, owns the hardware shop, a pillar of the community. And she also happens to be a serial killer that's been thriving for like decades. Um, and, uh, and essentially, the main thrust of the whole series is that uh, this serial killer kind of has her life upended um, and then there's uh, without spoiling anything essentially something that pops up that brings up a lot of unwanted attention and threatens to sort of you know uh discover her really deep dark secret yeah and again it's that juxtaposition of the the style of art that you use you know you mentioned richard scary i certainly got that vibe uh <laughs> but but that idea and then the idea of you know um just this beautiful art and then, you know, the darker secret. So that's so fascinating to me. Uh, it looks like it's all watercolor. Are you working digitally? Are you working traditionally? Give us a, a little bit of your uh, background process for uh, the artwork. Yeah, it's all traditional and it's all, um, it's actually gouache that I'm thinning out almost for most of it. That's so gotcha. it's got that watercolor look. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's, yeah, it's all ink and gouache. And um, I, just only do it because I work a lot more quickly that way, which might sound strange, but the, uh, in terms of my being happy with digital work, I'm just, I can't do it. Like I can't, um, it takes me forever. And I just sweat over each uh, page whenever I work digitally, specifically with coloring. And, um, I just found I work way more quickly with gouache than I do with, with digital stuff. Um, if I worked with a colorist, I'm sure that would be a different story. Um, but it's just anyway, but I, I love doing it. And also in my artwork too, like a lot of my line work is pretty sparse and I do a ton of the rendering in painting, which I enjoy. Um, it just works a lot better for me. That way I'm just more, a lot more satisfied. Also happy to not have to stare at a computer all day um, yeah. while I work on it. Right. I'm not going to lie. Like it's a total treat to just sit down at the desk and be on a piece of paper um, and work on this thing. And what's fun, I mean, I like, I love the smell of the paints and the paper and the ink, like it's all, I love it. Um, so it's, that's, that has been a joy. Yeah. That's, you know, I've heard other artists that have struggled with working digitally uh, because again, you can zoom in, you can do so many different things and it's, mm-hmm. it's even more, I mean, I already know there's a tendency to just, you want it to be perfect every time. And at some point there's deadlines. You got to let it go. You got to move oh, to the next page. And you Digital know makes it easier to get stuck on that stuff. Yeah. And to your point, 
about wanting to make it perfect, I think that is a big part of it for me. And then, but it, hmm, how do I put this? Like, I want it to replicate a lot of the traditional sort of happenstance that just comes up through, mm-hmm. you know, like, honestly, when I'm doing like a lot of this, you know, the washes, et cetera, like there's a ton of happy accidents that just happen. Mm-hmm. And I can't like, and then trying to sort of grasp, get, get to that again, digitally, is just so impossible for me. Like, like you have to plan your mistakes when you do it digitally. And I feel like that's just working against yourself for right. me when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about it, you know, again, I'm talking about this style of art and how it's kind of soft and, you, you know, you mentioned the color work and yeah, they're beautiful colors. They're not, it's not dark or muddy like you might necessarily think uh, a story about serial killers or a horror right. book might be it's <laughs> certainly bright and uh, and interesting. But the other thing is using these anthropomorphic characters, you know, you mentioned Samantha's brown bear. We've got a goat. We've got a turtle. We've got all these different animals. The challenge of getting emotion across uh, because they don't necessarily have human features. Mm-hmm. So is that something you're conscious of? Is it a bigger challenge for you or is it just more like using body language uh, more than just facial expressions? Um, it's, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It is kind of rough doing some of the facial expressions and like trying to get the the performance to come through some of these animal heads. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm also trying to take a cue from the, you know, I mean, like Disney kind of set the bar for a certain style of like expressive right. animal. And I'm trying to do it a little more realistic than that, like proportionally with some of the animal heads. Um, so it's, but I mean, it's definitely, you know, uh, if you're familiar with the comic Black Sad, um, that's a pretty strong, you know, uh, anthropomorphic, you know, kind of a wall also being dark comic. Mm-hmm. Um, so this definitely, I mean, it seems kind of inevitable that the, the two are going to get compared for sure. But I mean, his work on a lot of that expressive stuff, and he has a background from Disney, uh, which right. is pretty fun, but, um, but I mean, it's, it's definitely like looking to stuff like that to try and, you know, make sure it comes through. Um, but I do, I have a ton of fun putting performance into my characters. So, uh, it's a blast. Yeah. You can definitely tell you're having fun, uh, you know, creating this and the other part of it, you know, uh, you mentioned, uh, Samantha, the, the main character as a serial killer. So, you know, we'll call her the hero of the story. Maybe, the, you know, the protagonist, she's sure. driving, driving the plot. But uh, in uh, some of the descriptions and uh, marketing, IDW has mentioned Dexter, you know, oh, sure. it's kind of the the prototypical um, story where, you know, you're kind of rooting for this, this quote unquote bad guy or somebody who does, you know, things that aren't necessarily good. Uh, but maybe in the scheme of things, you know, if you're balancing cosmic um, good versus evil, you know, maybe it's, it uh, you know, force for good. So. Obviously, you're drawing some some inspiration, that sort of thing. But in, in terms of the way you approach it, like, have you always been fascinated by serial killers? The challenge of having a protagonist that's doing these terrible things. Uh, I mean, it's just, again, with the art, the juxtaposition of, you know, she's doing bad stuff, but she's sort of likable. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think you really you <laughs> nailed you really nailed that in the first issue. I appreciate issue. that. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, I... Uh... I mean, uh, let's see. I have not had a, a lifelong fascination with serial killers per se. I mean, I definitely find them totally compelling just in terms of, I guess, because it's such a seemingly alien sort of sort of mindset, right? And like how, what could allow for such heinous stuff, like such an amoral, um, 
completely just disconnected emotionally, uh, you know, point of view. And I mean, the, the, well, I mean, I, you know, I made a movie. I also write and direct movies and stuff too. <laughs> so, so I, I, we made this one movie like back in 2008 called Diner. Get it? That's the whole title. So the, uh, but the main character again is the serial killer thrown into a circumstance where like all of a sudden the people he's been killing like are coming back to life and he finds it just fascinating mm-hmm. and so i think that the reason i kind of have you know have come back to like another serial killer character uh is because it's such it offers a, a very like pop culture wise everybody kind of understands what a serial killer is like it's definitely captured the imagination of the country especially the u.s um but like worldwide has captured the imagination of folks as well. And I think that, um, so that's easy thing to bounce stuff off of genre wise, like mm-hmm. we kind of, you know, we, we, we understand what that is in a horror setting. And then, um, and then it allows you to just sort of upend stuff. So like in the circumstance with beneath the trees, like it's, it's essentially, you know, um, can you have like, what would it be to watch a serial killer just have an existential crisis where all of a sudden, you know, they, they aren't, in control anymore and that's kind of their whole thing is that they have been in control um and then in this in this story like samantha's very much has her deal dialed in like she needs that you know what i mean uh and then and then part of the way she goes about her killing is that it essentially is like having it's exacting a, a very specific amount of control over like a, a chaotic human being just picked from random you know and so like <laughs> which i do i have a whole profile for her uh, that I work from, but, um, anyway, but yeah, it's, I guess it's like, it's sort of all those things as to why, why, you know, dive into this. And also the challenge of, as you said, like trying to connect with a main character, that's a serial killer. And I really do. I mean, I feel like she would be a great friend aside from being a psychopath. Like, I think that a lot of the stuff that she does is, is pretty, you know, uh, it, it's definitely, you know, uh, what do you, what do you want to say? Like, it's, it's, I mean, it's great. Like she's, she's honestly like a great person aside from this. Right. Aside from the this this one like, little hang up. And yeah. that was my, that was my total goal. I was like, how are we going to do this without, you know, the other, I mean, the other thing to do with it as well uh, is that to try and make it uh, compelling in the sense of, you know, watching someone really good at what they do, just do their work. And I'm a huge fan of just watching people like, you know, I, I can sit and watch like just a random documentary about people doing factory work, whatever, just like that they're stuff they're it's well rehearsed. Uh, you know, it just comes a second nature. That stuff is fascinating to me. Um, so I leaned on that as well. Just watching somebody just do their thing and you get into the, you know, you do get a viewpoint of her perspective and her inner monologue throughout. And, and I feel like I, I wrestled on whether or not to even have a narration running or not at the beginning when I was making this. And I felt like it would, it really needed to have that, you know, that w- really strange kind of perspective that she has about the decisions that she makes. Um, yeah. You know. And it does make for a super compelling story, right? Cause the, the thing that really struck me and even more so as we're talking about it here is the layers of the story, right? Like it's enough to just have the story of Samantha kind of small town, right? Then you add the layer, she's a serial killer. Then you add the layer that, uh, you know, something goes wrong and now she's got to almost help solve the, you know, the other problems so that she doesn't get found out. It's just layer upon layer upon layer. 
uh, and it's all compelling. It would be enough for me to just try to understand why she's doing what she's doing. You know, you mentioned the the control thing, and that's clearly her her psychosis. Yeah, she needs that control. But then the other layer that we're talking about here, you could have done all that with all these layers, and you could have just had it star like humans, like regular. But then you sure, could layer sure, sure, sure. these are animals, which then adds another layer again with you know instincts and behaviors based on kind of the maybe the stereotypes that we give certain animals so what yeah yes. what was the reasoning behind you not having you know just regular people and doing it with animals um it, there were a couple um i mean i just randomly came up with a sketch like maybe or was it more than a sketch i mean it was an actual just drawing that i did like what year are we in right now so like i did this like maybe seven years ago or like five years ago something somewhere in there of just like a anthropomorphic bear person walking along with like this bloody axe um and like wearing a pair of overalls or something just to draw just completely was just doodling and it turned into that drawing and then i was like well that's kind of funny and then that's honestly where that story came out of and i love the idea of having this very cutesy um world where you have the just to have it contrast against this really dark grounded violence and i feel like to a certain degree there's a certain like there's desensitization that happens from consuming pop culture and i've been doing stuff in horror for a long time and so that just kind of happens and it felt like by kind of almost sort of blasphemy to do this but to like throw like really horribly violent stuff in this cute world that's sort of you know adjacent to like children's books or whatever would really be able to get past the desensitizing you know sort of effect of just you know regular horror consumption and get into more of like oh my god like this is so like you like i feel bad when i'm drawing some of these right. pages because like i'm doing horrible stuff to these people and they they have families and lives and like and again this should just be normal with people right you should feel these things but like for some reason having them seem so innocent i guess is is it really kind of makes it land a little harder yeah i was gonna um, say yeah very impactful right because you and again going back to the, the the gorgeous art it's almost like this you know the the small town samantha lives in she's got her friends you know everybody adores her it's almost this like norman rockwell setting mm -hmm. but she's got this secret she goes off to the city does these terrible things uh and so and then when things happen in the hometown this picturesque hometown it makes it land that much harder like oh my god now now what, what? and i wanted it to very much feel like they were completely almost naive sort of to the idea i mean they understand right. like there it's funny because as soon as you get into like animal world you can really start picking and choosing what you're going to do to world build and you're like is there religion? Like what's like yeah. how many corollaries are there with our world and this world? Um, what time is this set in? You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. like it's funny because I've I I think we have all just sort of landed on the idea that it's in the 80s, maybe somehow. Like there's certain technology that's just not that just doesn't show up. And a lot of that just came out of a mission mm -hmm. of me just doing it. Um, because I didn't need it. And so why make a point of having it if it's not right. necessary? Yeah. And then as it kind of went along, it felt like the sensibility of everything just kind of felt more and more like the 80s. So that's just kind of where we settled on it. So um, so it's pretty funny that, you know, you kind of have this 
you know, 1980s, it's basically like our world, but um, there's certain things that are like, especially with the town of Woodbrook, where they're a little more sheltered. Um, and and to actually just have what happens at the end of issue one kind of launches the whole town into this like this sort of panic of not really understanding or like being able to make sense of or what this means in terms of just you know their day to day lives anymore. Um, and this has this violence very much like just shows up in town, uh, and it's you know it's very upsetting, <laughs> and it and it needed it to be like that, like it needed it to be very upsetting. Yeah, well, the other part of that, of course, being with Samantha being the protagonist, uh, it does sort of give us a relatability, right? Like we're not yeah. out there. Hopefully we're not out there murdering people. <laughs> but, you know, all of a sudden she's got this challenge put before her, you know, immediately clicks in her mind. Uh Oh, you know, and so I think in that, you know, a lot of us have been in that position at some point in our lives where something happens and you're like, oh, my God, I've got to get in front of this thing. Uh, and so, yeah, that is a way it kind of into her. Uh, world, so to speak. So, so we have uh, some of the same uh, similar footing. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to to ask you about in terms of your writing and drawing this. So, getting back to mm-hmm. process a little bit, do you t- put on your writer hat, write yourself a script, and then you know go for it from there, or do you do a lot of the you know blocking out and it's more of an outline? Do a lot of the blocking out for panels and what have you when you're actually uh, creating the art. Um, I do a lot of the, my, well, my process for the whole thing has basically been, uh, I did an outline for the entire run. So for the entire limited series, I did like a, a beat sheet that went through each issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, basically I just, I'll write out the whole script. And as I'm doing that, I do my thumbnails cause I'm real, like, it's just part of my process. Like I can't, I, I just need to see. You know what I mean? And it's just going to cut out a lot of guesswork. If, if so I'll basically be thumbnailing as I'm writing it. And then, uh, and then I'll, I'll, you know, write out the full script. Uh, and then it as I'm actually, and at this point, like the whole, all the scripts are in, but now I'm going back to script one and I'm just diving through it. And then I'll do like a little more detailed layout wise uh, and then jump on that for, um, just page by page and I'll just do like layout chunks, pages, layout chunks, pages, uh, and then just work my way through the issue that way. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, especially the fact that you're, you know, doing it the, the way you're doing it tr- traditionally. Um, cause the other part of that is when we talk about horror and I kind of touched on this, uh, previously, how it can tend to be in terms of color and tone kind of dark, Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of dark color, dark palette. You know, this is not that you wanted that kind of innocent feel like you you said. So uh, Richard Scarry is a great uh, comparison because it is so bright in terms of mm-hmm. color uh, and just the world that you've created. Uh, does did, does it make it harder? Was it a challenge to make sure you kind of got that foreboding tone? Because you kind of don't get it at first until more right. about Samantha is is revealed and then. Then all of a sudden it really lands. And even though it's bright, you feel kind of the darkness behind the color. If you know, if you know what I'm sure. saying. Yeah. 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 But to be honest, it's harder to rein it back and, uh, and keep it bright and cheery. And I mean, as things progress through, you know, the series, it definitely, you know, takes you on a ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the, yeah, it, to be honest, like as I'm, as I was going through it, it was, it was definitely like, okay, yeah, this needs to still be like, nice like we can't don't let things get weird yet yeah um and then 
you know, even, even then, like when I do kind of let it get a little more sinister, like you said, like it's still fairly like pretty, you know, uh, bright and cheery for the most part. Um, but I'm just leaning into like a lot of the lighting and stuff like, the, uh, you know, I, I definitely am letting, you know, the, I mean, the beneath the trees part and when she goes through the whole, like, you know, what she does with her victim is very much beneath the trees and, and, and all right. the light play that comes with that. Um, uh, was definitely by design, but, um, it's, yeah, it, yeah, I guess to answer your question, like it's very, yeah, it's not too hard, but like at the same time, I, uh, I, you know, uh, it, so you have to be cognizant of thinking. Yeah. About yeah. You gotta things. be careful. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, and again, the, even the title itself is so great, uh, beneath the trees were no oh, thanks. It just, it just immediately evokes where nobody see, why would you not want somebody to see? Like it just, it really, it really pulls you in. So that leads to my next question. Obviously there's kind of the, the things that we've hinted at. Again, we're keeping it purposely big. Everybody, we want, we want you to go check it out. Uh, so there's the moment in the first issue where this terrible thing happens. So that's a beat. I'm sure you're going to be curious to see, you know, how readers react. Do you have one of those in every issue or is there a particular one when I, you know, mention that, that you're like, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited to see what people's reaction is going to be to this thing that happens in the story yeah i mean definitely i feel like um i mean there's like yeah there's several beats throughout that they uh that they they sort of i don't know if they well they sort of upend things and they're like nice turns of the screw that you weren't expecting um and i mean it it very much turns into a whodunit uh as readers will discover but the um the you know driving narrative definitely takes a couple uh hard turns um so i'm very excited you know it's only six issues and there's not there's not like a pull on the rug out of each issue uh necessarily because it felt that also kind of felt um a little disingenuous to just mm -hmm. kind of shoehorn that in necessarily so it's definitely yeah. organic to the flow of the story but um but yeah there's definitely a ride for readers to go on well, not to put the cart too far ahead of the horse here, but even just with this one issue, and you kind of touched on it when you were uh, talking about what what to put in, what corollaries there are, do they have religion, you know, technology, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, it does feel like such a richly realized world right from the start. Um, so w would you go back or do you have any plans to go back to this world? Maybe, you know, I, again, I don't know how it ends, so I don't know if we could do more with Samantha or some other characters in this world. I mean, again, it just... The juxtaposition of telling a, a thriller, if you will, or suspense story with this tone and with these animals, it just seems like there's probably, it's probably, you know, something that you could mine uh, that you could go back to over and over. Yeah. I mean, I would love to, uh, I definitely have a lot more that I would love to do with it. Um, I've been saving, you know, all my ideas in a file that, uh, for, uh, different storylines. Um, I mean, there's a ton that could be done with it obviously. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm also, you know, it, it is very much a contained story. Uh, and it, it is funny though, like just in creating this and because I really wanted to, like, there's a whole main street that has a bunch of businesses on it and there's different people that work at the place. Like I have the whole thing sort of, right. you know, the whole town kind of figured out just because I wanted to know what you would see if you looked down blank street and you know who would be there and who runs that and what's their deal and i kind of am continually doing that as i'm developing the whole thing uh because it's i, mean, I get 
very much into wanting to have the details show up, even if they're sort of abstract as you're looking at them. Like it's all, it's all very like, that's part of the fun for me. So um, yeah, there's a bunch uh, that I could do with it for sure. Well, again, and that kind of leans into what you had mentioned before, this uh, sort of drawing some inspiration from Richard Scarry's Busy Town, because it's very yeah. much like that, right? It's in, <laughs> yeah. it's inhabited with just all these different creatures that have, you know, different. Uh, my my favorite is the worm, you know, the fact that he sure. just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. stands up and he's got I haven't pants. gone, I've been wrestling with whether or not. I, see, the thing is with Richard Scarry, which I loved, but I didn't quite do, is that like a lot of his characters are very animal-like, right? Yeah. They like, they have their paws still, or they have yeah. their like, you know, their, their, um, they're sort of uh, crazy hind legs or they've got, or the, or the worm is just a worm, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but I didn't quite want, I wanted them to all sort of have, I guess their, their people parts, like their human parts to make it work. Also, I wanted to do that because in contrast, there are actual animals in the right. animal world. Yep. And that was a very, it's a, that becomes very important throughout uh, the series. And so I very much wanted to have that, that, you know, demarcation right um uh so yeah <laughs> well fingers crossed that we get more stories in this world I, I can't wait to see how this story turns out so uh, everybody the best way you can help patrick out is to let your stores know that you want this book even though the uh final order cutoff for issue one has already passed still let them know you know they may mm -hmm. be able to get more um and also that, you know, that, that will increase the orders for subsequent issues, which is always really, really important. You know, issue ones tend to be ordered a little more heavily. Um, issue two, three, four, five, six, whatever. It's, it's even more important. So, uh, it's a hundred percent worth your time to check out. It's such a fantastic story, uh, from IDW. Again, remember the release date is on the 18th of yep, October, uh, 18th. October. So just in time for Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, as we're winding down here, uh, Patrick, anything else you want to share with our listeners, any other work that you have coming up, um, maybe where people can follow your work online. Um, oh, sure. Sure. Um, well the, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much all, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on, uh, uh, beneath the trees right now. So that's, that's, uh, that's all on my drawing board, but the, um, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick Horvath. You can find me on Instagram at CatbirdPlanet. Uh, you can also uh, catch uh, me at a signing on October 18. Uh, if you're in Southern California, I'm at Collector's Paradise in Pasadena. And then on the 21st, I'm going to be at Things from Another World over in Universal City Walk and we'll be doing signings at both places. Oh, that's fantastic. I know both those stores are both great stores. Uh, the Pasadena store, so the restaurant right across the street. I work for that restaurant company. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Houston. <laughs> so yeah. Small, small world. I live in I Phoenix, it. but yeah, but I'm, I'm out there periodically. So oh, I love it. Uh, but again, a fantastic chatting with you. I love the story. Can't wait for more. Don't forget everybody. Check it out. October 18th. Let your retailers know now. Uh, yeah. Beneath the trees where nobody sees it's fantastic story. So uh, I'll put links to Patrick's, uh, social media and the show notes, everybody. So if you're having trouble finding them, you can go and click there. Uh, and again, Patrick, uh, real pleasure. Uh, I can't wait for more of the story. Jace, thank you so much for having me on, man. This has been great. Yep. Really appreciate it. So uh, to you listeners, we want to thank you as well. We appreciate you joining us as always, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. 
Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.